Merry Christmas. This week, it's our Boxing Day special. Santa's been, we've stuck our arm in his sack and pulled out a load of magic items. So we're going to talk about how you can implement them in your games and give them out to your players. We'll talk a bit about balancing, about those wretched magic item shops. And towards the end, a special shout out to a listener who's built a special mechanic around something we suggested over a year ago. Welcome to We Speak Common. Hello, Joe. Benjamin. How you doing? I'm very well. How are you? I am very good. I'm going to tell you something now that it's either going to make you go, okay, I like it, or you're going to cringe. Okay. Got an email to We Speak Common. Apparently, one of our best intros was the the old uh, welcome to We Speak Common, the D&D podcast for everyone, because here We Speak Common or whatever it was, I can't remember. Apparently, that was the best one we've ever done. Uh, I mean, I feel like we've done better. I feel like the one where we just devolve into like Madness. almost non-speech was probably our best one. So what you're saying, the best intro we do on a speech platform is mm-hmm. where we don't talk. Yeah, the one where we just really just driveled off at the end. I think was the uh, the climax of this podcast, and there'll be nowhere to go from here. Okay, cool. Um, (laughs) Great. I love your enthusiasm. Um, So today is Boxing Day. It is the day of fights. Um, Technically, it's actually not Boxing Day. It's It's numerous weeks before Boxing Day. Believe it or not, we record these in advance, especially over Christmas. Mm. Um, But the day that this episode goes out is Boxing Day. And either I feel like people are going to listen on Boxing Day because they've got nothing better to do or they're not going to listen on Boxing Day and they're going to be like why are you telling me it's Boxing Day it's not I'm listening after it came out of course I'm not going to listen to your Boxing Day well that's kind of their fault really yeah it doesn't make a difference to us does it no so we're going to do something slightly Christmas related I mean (laughs) not really (laughs) no it's it's a really really like non-tangible link we're going to talk about magic items so which I suppose you technically could gift someone yeah thus in the spirit of a Christmas um, joy let's imagine that we have opened Santa's sack and put our hands elbow deep mm-hmm. bit gooey in there mm-hmm. uh, but out of that goo we have poured some magic items mm-hmm. um, and now we need to give them to our players so really it's it's less about specific magic items and more about how uh, you know just different ways you can go about introducing them into the game and what consequences it has yes. uh, and um how the, how the overall feel of the game world changes depending on how you handle magic items. The thing I'm most excited to talk about here is magic item shops. Uh-huh. Do you want to do that one straight away? Should we do implementing first? Well, I want to talk about implementing. Okay, because, cool. Um, I can't remember who it was, but someone came up with a, a good um, question. Someone on Twitter messaged us. Yes. Yeah, and let me have a look while you're talking. Basically, they were talking about having players request specific magic items in the game. Yes. Whether that be, can I just have this magic item? Can I start with this magic item? Or, you know, can you ensure as the dungeon master it's possible for my player to come across this item or quest for this item or whatever, right? Which... On, uh, as a side note, I would say isn't necessarily a bad thing. We've always talked about how your players are trying to fulfil that hero fantasy, and exactly. as a paladin, you want to be able to get that holy and, avenger. And I really, I really like doing this because when I create a a character for a game, right, I am trying to embed them into the world as much as I can. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm trying to give them a purpose in that world before the game begins because for me personally it flows much better when I begin to roleplay if I have links and connections and so 
when I say, okay, maybe I go to DM and go, hey, you know, I'm playing this wizard, blah, 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 and I, I really want these, like, boots of flying. Like, I know they're really powerful, uh, powerful uh, magic item, but I just, I have this vision of this flying wizard. Yeah, at some point down the line. I yeah, yeah, them. yeah. Like, can you make that a possibility? Can you maybe tie it into my backstory in some way? Can I have a link here? And if a player comes to me with that, I'm like, yes, this is perfect, because this just gives me more content that I can instantly sprinkle into the game. I can either make this a completely separate quest from my narrative, what we were talking about a couple of episodes ago about tying player Play side quests in. Side I, I'm like, okay, yeah. this is a side quest for this player. I can instantly take these boots. Maybe I can now put them on a... Um, a vill- yeah, a yeah. villain or something, yeah. but maybe I tie them to the player's backstory. So there's 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 one thing there that I think because when you said that, my brain went in two places. It was either hi, I want to one day have these flying boots. Can you put put them somewhere in the world so that there's a quest for me? Yeah, to like, can get you them? can you ensure they're on a well? I suppose there's two ways to do it. It's like can, yeah, can, can you, you ensure that at some point I can yeah. find them? Can yeah. you make sure they're on the random item can, table? Can they exist in the world basically? Yeah. Or there's the player comes in and says, "Hi, I'm level one, but I really want to be able to have flying boots." That's a different thing because there are there are some items I think that you could get away with having at level one, and there are some that you definitely couldn't. Um, and I, I guess it depends on the story you're telling and the party you've got on whether that's a fair thing to do for one player and not others. And I really like, uh, you know, the, sort of the whole Matt Mercer strategy of, of doing the items that kind of level up as the players level up and, and, yeah, and, well, gain, and gain new properties. Interesting that you say that because I'm doing that with one of your mm-hmm. items in my homebrew game. And this was kind of similar because I... When I came to you in my backstory and whatnot, we spoke about the world, this yeah. is, you know, for Galahad, my paladin, I had... Uh, the kind of the fulcrum of this story centered around uh, this sword, right? Mm-hmm. Which kind of tied the history to the present day. You know, it was it was a sort of a link between the two, just to tie this really far back sort of more law based history, I suppose, of Galahad's family and things like that, with yeah. you know the to the here and the now. And but what you know, consequently, what I'd done there is been like, hey Ben, can I have a cool magic sword? Yeah, pretty in, much in, in my game <laughs> that I can get. That's like for me. And that's that's a nice link of the two though, because you've you've kind of gone, hi, I really want a sword that's just for me, but. To, to give a little bit back, you can link it in with all of this story stuff. And I've gone, okay, that's a fair trade. Yeah, and uh, it was... And, you know, it wasn't like I started the game with it. I wanted it to be something that I would come across and be meaningful in an impactful moment, you know. Um, I think it was. And it, it was. And yeah. it was tough to get. You know, Galahad nearly died getting it. So it was... Um, <laughs> yeah. And plus, it, and then it has... We've done that sort of levelling up quality. So as more... Um, story beats happen and impactful moments happen um, surrounding the sword and Galahad's journey it gets more powerful yeah, as, and, and more abilities etc as Galahad develops as a character the sword goes through changes with him now that it's on your person um, side note I found the person who uh, sent us the message they haven't put their name on Twitter so their their Twitter name is my dude nice. so we'll just Love refer it. to them as my dude their, 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 at, their handle is at hate making these <laughs> um, but <laughs> the question it. was uh, loot distribution player magic item wish list random versus chosen magic items how to keep giving the player their top tier items too early customising homebrew items without destroying okay, the challenge okay so if we go if we go like through these if I just steal your yeah, phone yeah, for a go. moment yeah no it's fine there's so, no nudes on there so I, I love the oh there's... that's a shame um, <laughs> so I like the idea so um, player magic item wish list I've no problem with this if a player comes to me and he's like hey I'm playing this wizard 
I definitely want Robes of the Magi and Staff of the Magi to be in the world oh God, somewhere. Oh, God, yeah, there's nothing wrong with you know, that. You know, I really want a Pearl of Power. You know, I have this really cool build idea for my character. Can you just make sure it's possible for me to get it? Now, I, that, they're not items you need to tie into the backstory and make no, it no, very no, obvious. No, 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 they can just exist. But you can just be like, these are in the world. If you explore heavily enough, you will come across them. That's basically saying, hey... Instead of using a random table, could you just make sure this this item is in in the dragon horde? You I know? quite like that as well because it kind of gives me as the D- DM um, a sort of ingredients list to follow. I've just throwing back to your Matt Mercer drop in earlier. Um, I've, I'm quite far behind and I've only just caught up to like all of the ship sailing parts of the series of Campaign Two. And there's that section where they they basically become pirates and they attack another ship and in there is the magic item for painting. You, know, mm-hmm. you paint and it yeah. becomes real. I forget what it's called. Um, Marvellous paints or something like that. Um, and uh, with a magic wish list of things that you could put in, I think you can pull that Matt Mercer technique off really well, where it's kind of like, well, it's in the world, but you might miss it, but you also might not. Because the thing is... I d- it feels more... Gen- like not. It doesn't feel generic. The thing is, you know? I do this anyway, because I look at my party, like right now, I know I've got like a, uh, a rogue warlock... Um, I, I, I had a monk and a, yeah, and a ranger, and you know, and a, and a wizard um, and whatnot. So I, I'm not going in there and putting in plus two magic plate mail. No, because no one can use it. I'm not going in there and putting in a magic greatsword because no one can use it. I'm because I, 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 that's going to be unsatisfying. Counterpoint. I do put those items in that can't be used because I think it adds an interesting dynamic to the party. It doesn't happen often, and if it does happen, I put something else in too, like something that can be a benefit, because I feel like then the party goes, oh, we've got this item, what are we going to do with this? And it gives them this item that they can then barter off or or gift or each side an interesting yeah, dynamic. Now, I, I like that, but for very specific moments. Yeah. So, for instance, I... Some just, I mean, I suppose, slight spoilers. Somewhere in the world, um, you could have come across it, but you didn't. There's a, a really powerful, really awesome magic axe. Right. Now, none of you guys would have used it. I know none of you would. Is that from it. when you were playing God of War? Is that that phase of development? Uh, it was absolutely yeah, completely, yeah, so. completely yeah, ripped from that. It's it, it's kind of different to that, but that's where the inspiration came from. Yeah. Um, but it's a magic axe. You guys could have come across it, and you wouldn't have really been able to use it even though it's a very powerful item I mean you, some of you you could have tried yeah. what I'm saying is it wouldn't have been optimal per se Yeah. Um, but the axe has lore and background that kind of almost tells the players it's not really for you anyway it has a story yes. and cultural significance um, and if you were to give this to say someone else I had another character in mind that I thought could really use this like an NPC you know and if you were to give it to them then it would have um you know, it would have opened up more story beats and stuff like that, and then you probably would have been rewarded with stuff that was really more like that. useful. I really you know, like that. Um, and so that's what I think. Um, yeah, so those so items that are can't be used are, are good. But but going back to wish lists, but going back to yeah. wish lists, I lo- it's just good because instead of me saying, hmm, okay, I've got some monks here and that, maybe I'll give them some monk wraps, blah blah blah. But if the monks like, hey, I specifically want this monk bandana or something that does this like, okay well that's just that's just easy i'm thinking about what to put in this dungeon I'm, i'll put those in this dungeon and i think that's kind of good for for players who like me i play humans quite a lot because i feel like i can i i feel like i can build a good character with a human base and it gets a bit boring and the thing that really annoys me is when i'm in a situation where i'm like ah we're gonna go through the cave and everyone's like i've got dark vision i've got dark vision i'm like i need to light this torch so everyone can see me but 
What's nice is if I have a wish list, I can say, hi, I really want goggles of night or hi, I really want an invisible flame torch um, at some point just to make me feel like I'm not hindering the party. And it is on a meta level, but it, yeah, a it's bit. fine. But it's, it's a conversation that's detached from the game itself. But in the spirit of Christmas, it's kind of like writing a Christmas list. You've written a list for ideas for people mm. and then the person's buying you a present either goes, yeah, I'm going to get you this thing off their list and know you're going to like it. Or, ah, oh, you've said you want this, but this thing also does that, but it's different. I'm yeah. going to put that but in But just instead. going back to the Paladin thing, like, like the Paladin says, look, I want to somehow get a Holy Avenger. It, yeah. it, it makes no benefit to me to just say, no, no, there's not a Holy Avenger in this world. Like, yeah. it just, it, it's no fun. Like, if they really want it, I'm going to make it difficult for them to attain it. Yeah, you it's know. Got, and it's got to involve the story. And it's got to involve the story, but ultimately, if there's something they want, I will facilitate that. Because as a dungeon master, just like, for instance, if someone's saying, hey, I want to... Um, I want to become king of the realm. You know, like I'm not <laughs> going like, to. Okay. I'm not going to say it's impossible. Yeah. It'll be tricky, but there's no there's no benefit to me saying you can't do it. You know, yeah, there's yeah, very yeah. little times a DM really. You know, there are. Says no. I certainly say there should be times when a DM says no. But and I agree. I agree. But I think that. Um, you know, and then he said here, how do you keep from giving the players their top tier items too early? Well, one is doing the leveling up structure. I think you can give it to them early, but just have it, you know, un- unlock as they unlock their own potential. And what's nice about that is it gives you the opportunity. And I, don't, I haven't done it yet. It's something I really want to do. And I kind of wish I'd done it with Galahad, but I, I'm, spoiler alert, I haven't, is they're using a sword with them the whole time. And if that player never gets rid of that sword, well, one day that sword becomes the Holy Avenger because of this, the, the the strife that it's been through with the Paladin. That's a really cool way of of just adverting expectations a little bit and making it feel earned and not like, oh, well, you're level six now, so you should get it. I really like as well, there's so much cool stuff. Um, like there's this, these guys who do like a actual play, they call it real role play or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do this uh, D&D role play. And one of their characters is so funny because he made... He like his main character is fired, like died tragically in like the first session. <laughs> then he made this other character, and they they always like roll stats, and he rolled horrendous stats. Mm-hmm. So he just did this throwaway character, like I'm just gonna get this character, he's gonna die again, and then I can roll some more stats. But he didn't die. He's lasted the longest out of anyone. They've done like 150 episodes. Oh my god! This character, this character is basically a god in the world now, like so, re- re- and he's a barbarian. That's why he's lived so long. Yeah. Um. But he has this um ma- this mace. Mm-hmm. Um. And. He's gone through so many changes. It did necrotic damage. Now he's like, he's got this moniker, and I, I love doing this as well as a side note. It's giving your players like monikers and names within the world. So, he, so, so he's called the Hammer of Heaven. Yeah. Because he's so, he's, and even his subclass changed from like the Berserker to like the Zealot because of what happened in the story, mm-hmm. which I, I love doing that, like changing yeah. the, yeah. like, I, I never lock my players down to a specific subclass or, or maybe even class at some point if something so dramatic happens. Oh God, and I think, I, side note, I think that should be a fluid thing because, I mean, you look at things like uh, the Fallen Paladin, like, or, or, like, I've got a player who plays in Azamar who is Fallen and it's like, well, one day you might no longer be a Fallen Azamar. Yeah, yeah, so you're like race subclass changes. I've got a, um, I've got a player who is currently playing a human who one day is going to find out that they're an Azamar. Yeah, and it's cool. And then, so, this um, this uh, mace then became like a flame tongue mace, but it did, like, radiant damage, and it was, like, dripping radiant light. It's like... Mm. So, there's all this cool stuff you can, cool. you can do and change the items as the players develop, and I think that's a pretty cool way of doing it. And he said, like, customising homebrew items without destroying the challenge of the fights. Well, I think that just, that just comes in time when you learn more and more about the balance of the game yeah so the thing with homebrew homebrew anything homebrew creatures homebrew items especially items i think you have to give them to players and say look this isn't tested i have the right to change things and if your player is okay with that and they should be 
because you've made them something cool, then mm. great. It's like, for example, I had a player come to me playing a, a ranger who wanted to have, like, think Green Arrow, like CW show. He fights with his bow, he hits people with his bow. They wanted that. They basically wanted to strap their daggers to the bow. And I was like, right, okay, well, I'll let me play around with it. So I made them a short bow with knives on it. And I said, right, but you can't take the knives off because it'll unbalance the bow. Um, and you're not proficient with it because you, in your story you found it you've not grown up learning it and I said at some point you can earn proficiency and at some point I will allow it to level up and, and gain some sort of magical damage because you know when you get to that sort of tier of pay you, you need to be able to do magic damage and he was fine with that and it's like right okay now he's constantly like when am I going to oh, when am I going to find the, the thread that leads to my next bow upgrade mm-hmm. and that's, uh, that's a really nice way of saying okay you can have this homebrew item but I don't want it to be just an item. I don't want you to just be like, I've got this cool thing and that's it. It has to feel unique. It it's has like to building be in like a second upgrade tree to your character. Kind yeah. of kind of like how we were talking about like Odyssey of the Dragon Lords and how they give you these specific quests I'm with just like spe- turn my mic down and blow my nose. <laughs> specific rewards. And when they do that and when you do this in your own game with this like sort of secondary um upgrade system it it just gives the players another thing to strive towards which i think is is fun so you never you know when you put all this extra stuff in i find it's very rare that your players beca- then become aimless yeah. because even if they've just completed a quest and there's not too many threads going on you don't necessarily have to inject more as a DM because then they can just say hey okay you know what um old jimmy over here has uh, been using this crappy bow for a while now we're going to try and get his bow to level up that, that's going to be the next quest what do we need to do to do that and they, they go and figure it out so I think that's yes. pretty fun um, what's the next one in terms of uh, magic item shops oh okay so this I want to spend some time on mm-hmm. okay. so I have done magic item shops in a while, for a, uh, a few times and I don't feel like I've ever got them right I've done them a number of different ways so I, and it usually comes from a bit of pressure from the players being like god we really want some magic items and then I usually cave and go or they they say oh we've got to this shop are there any magic shops and I, I hate saying no because it's like like it's just disappointment isn't it also when like players tend to amass like immense amounts of wealth yeah that you, you just, like, oh I want to spend all this money you struggle to do stuff with mm-hmm. now we've spoken about how you can spend money in the past but an easy way is to spend it on, and, on, ma- mean, on magic in, items in our water deep game you haven't got enough money yeah. so it's like it's, it's one or the other so I've, I've gone yeah okay you can find a magic item shop and then there's a number of ways of doing this you either prep it and you say right they've got these items in for these prices side note I never know how to work out the price of a blooming magic item it just I never know I always feel like it's either too low or too high um, or you go and I've done this and I, t- I do not advise it okay you're in a magic shop pick an item in the DMSG and I'll tell you how much it costs and they go oh I want this incredible artifact and mm-hmm. I say yeah no he doesn't have the hand of Vecna you can't just buy that <laughs> and then you have this weird like three hour long conversation of people flicking through the book going I could get this or I could get this don't do that don't ever do that god I wanted to punch myself I'd have gone back in time and punched myself for saying that. Um, it doesn't work. So I, that's well, my opinion. Generally, I run. I tend to run settings, or at least my main campaign at the moment, which is basically the style of game I've always run. Yeah, is a a game in which magic items. Um, the world is high fantasy once you get to high level in my world. You know, because the common folk don't come across you know gods and dragons and beings like that it, you know it doesn't happen and it, or if it does it's it's devastating they all die anyway so they, they don't live to tell the tale yeah so it gets more high fantasy as you level up and you begin to uh, go to the perilous sort of parts of the world I think of it kind of like Lord of the Rings like most people in Lord of the Rings live in a very low fantasy setting yeah like 
the you hobbits know, you, the hobbits you know they're, they're amazed the by Hobbit, fireworks the hobbits the yeah. rohirrim you know the people of gondor and stuff yes they have the big magic eye like you know <laughs> over the road from them oh what's that but, oh, don't uh, worry about other that. than that it doesn't affect them you <laughs> don't know, look at that. their enemies are just orcs you know they're which are monstrous people but they're humanoids you know is but when you start getting into these crazy high level settings or you know you're a hobbit who meets up with this level 20 wizard yeah. you know then you get into shenanigans where you're he's be, definitely not a wizard he's where definitely you're not a 20 level where you're running no he's like a He's uh, an 18 fire 2 wizard, if anything. He's an angel, actually. But, um, Are they you, not called angels? But he is basically an he's angel. He's basically an angel. Yeah. Um, you know, that's when you start running into the, the Balrogs and the dragons and stuff like that. And so, in my world, it's the same with magic items. You, The common folk is not going to find these super powerful magic items and they're not going to have them available to them because they are in the most dangerous, darkest depths of the world. And therefore, in your world, a magic shop you know, doesn't exist. Exactly. Yeah. Now, there are some exceptions to that in that there are specific places that if a player desperately wants to be able to spend money on magic items there are ways to do it and so you encountered I think essentially one magic item shop in my world or one of your players did which was um in the Thieves Guild. Yeah. Um, and he it, it basically had a couple of items in it and they were very expensive. It was like three grand for like a plus one rapier. Yeah. Um and but the only reason he had access to that is because he'd murdered a bunch of people and joined a cult. Like it was, it was difficult. It was difficult for him to even get. I access thought you were going to gonna say like he earned it over time. No, he murdered a bunch of people and he joined a cult. Yeah, that's and it was a difficult um, selection process. Yeah, it was to get to, to be get, fair yeah. to get into that cult. I'll give you that. And so that was part of the reward is he had access to this stuff. And again, these magic items exist in the darker, more um, seedy, seedy, abstract yeah. places of the world. So um, for me, I bear in mind I'm. Running like three games now for me all of my games happen in the same world they happen on the same version of Toriel but they um, they're in different continents so it's like it's like the Marvel Cinematic Universe so one day you're all going to meet up and play like five characters at one table it's great um, so I've run worlds where there's very there's an abundance of magic items and sometimes I love that and sometimes I hate it it depends on what kind of mood I'm in and what what kind of fantasy story I want to tell and be part of I've run games where the it's kind of like magic items take the place of like electricity so everybody has um uh, you know a stone that that will always spark and light a fire because it's enchanted but not everybody has uh, a portable hole or you know or stuff like that so there are there are there's a, a certain level of common not not as in common items but there's a certain level of like everyone has magic items up to a certain degree uh, and then i've run games where there is hardly anything mm -hmm. and if you find something like oh my god it's amazing and i it really does just depend on how i feel and what i want to play the way i do shops in them is i don't anymore i tend to, i don't think it, unless i'm in a, like a really high fantasy like magic items are everywhere kind of world i don't feel like that mm -hmm. feels right and if because, i do I, I have to plan because to me even the common magic items that say common folk may have access to certain things you know like a sort of an ever-glowing candle or whatever and stuff like that you know mm -hmm. or even like a plus one ring of protection right yeah the common person doesn't even recognize that that's a plus one ring of protection yes it's just they happen to be a bit more lucky and they dodge danger a little bit more when they're wearing that ring yeah and they might not even connect the dots no you know what i mean and i think and I, I, again i really think this comes down to taste and an opinion and it's difficult to I mean, we're kind of veering on and off of the topic of magic item shops here, but I feel like it really but depends on what you want. That, and they're intrinsically tied to the, to how you want the world to feel in terms of magic. Yeah. And I think as well, like for me, I 
I have to make things logical, right, and make sense. So, okay, I'm saying there's these uh, magic items very hard to come by. You can't buy them, blah, blah, blah. But, okay, but I'm like, what about with the really powerful people in the world? So the kings, the queens, you know, the, the powerful yeah, yeah, knights yeah. and stuff like that. Where do they get their magic items from? And so I was thinking about this. Okay, so you've got all these really high lords and stuff. Where do they get them from? Who sources them? So I sort of teased it a little bit. You guys never really followed up on it, but there was an opportunity to when you were sort of asking about magic items and stuff. Mm-hmm. And after a few history checks, I think I explained to one of you that there is rumour of, like, an auction. Yeah. Yes, a, I remember this. A super high-level... Um, like, you've got to be in the right auction. circle to get in. You know, you've got to yeah. be part of the Illuminati before you even, you know, you gain access. And then once you're in, you can you can bid on some, some, some crazy stuff. And so... You have to have the money. And who, who sources this? Where does it come from? You know, there was a lot of... Well, that's a, that's a quest line. That's a plot hook. There was a lot of stuff to go. So uh, there was a potential quest line that I had. And like I say, you guys never really bit onto it because you were, you know, we were doing, doing different things. Doing yeah. other stuff. But um, there, there was a potential to perhaps gain access to this 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 auction and and what would be interesting i was kind of more interested in the fact that okay you'd get access to some magic items now but there'd be so many powerful important people in the world at this auction that you know the, the players don't normally get to meet kings and queens and things like that you know yeah, um, yeah. it's like a networking event yeah exactly. let me um let me use an example from a novel then and uh surprise surprise i'm obsessed with name of the wind uh patrick office's books but basically I, I bring it up because if you're in this in this position where you're like well i've got a high fantasy world but i don't want magic items to be common but i'd like there to be places where they can buy them like where's the middle ground in his book he does a really interesting way of i'm um, spoilers if you haven't read the name, name of the wind i suppose but i'm not going to go into plot details um their magic system in that book is a thing called sigildry and sympathy and it's like you go to the university and you learn how to do that and that is like the commonplace stuff so they can make lamps that don't use uh fire to create light and then they sell them to people and that's like your magic item shop but then at the same time there's fairy tales and um fantasy stories of real magic items and table in the great and and uh, his his cloak of no particular color and those items do exist but they also don't exist and they are there and everyone thinks of them as fairy tale but they they are real if you if you are I suppose, in a gameplay kind of terms, high enough level or doing the right mm. quests. So if you want to have this kind of, well, I want the players to be able to go and get magic items, but I also want there to be a special level of item that, that is basically unheard of and it's all myth, but it is real and they've just got to go and find it, then make a list of the items that you think class as commonplace in your world. Because that list of common in the Dungeon Master's Guide, I don't think... Is is a is a straight through line. I think there are some items on there that common day people wouldn't have, um, like a ring of protection. What what is a what is a farmer? Well, I don't know why it's always a farmer. What is a farmer doing with a ring of protection? Do you know what I mean? How do they? That you kind of have to build a reason for them to have that item. Whereas a farmer mm. might have a plus one hoe. You know, <laughs> like that, that kind of. <laughs> I don't know. It's it depends on your world. I would say make a list of things that you could buy and you could find commonplace, and then the rest is that. Special and I like, I like the idea that like. You know, maybe you haven't necessarily got a magic shop, but you've got a shop that sells kind of odd items and stuff. And you're like, yeah, like a, like a curiosities okay. place. You're like, okay, here's this hoe that um, has been handed down for a bunch of farmers, and their their yield goes up by fifty percent whenever they use it. Yeah, yeah, you know, but it's actually just a plus one hoe. Yeah, you know, yeah. it makes you very proficient. With I it. think there's a there's a level of, and I think there will be a lot of people that agree with me here. There's a level of um, pulling you out of the immersion when you go to a magic item shop and i think if you can create a 
a, just a shop that has the odd magic item because there's it. like a meta narrative to it because yeah. it's like okay it's like what do you, i want you go into a shop and you're like um okay and it's like how do i ask him okay. do you have a do you have a cloak of protection <laughs> no, without no. saying do you have a cloak of protection but it's like okay you've got this horn over there so then you're like mm, okay so um you've got a, a horn of valhalla over there i know this because i'm a player and uh, I know what horns are in the DMG. And I, and I would like that as a player. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, Etc. I mean, I always like the idea of like the Horn of Valor. It's like just up on the like the halfling villages. Um, like the pub's wall. Pub wall. Yeah. And like, they, no, like it, it, just some halfling adventure came, adventurer came back with it one time, like uh, like 200 years ago. And it's just, and it's just got like, you know, <laughs> like a blowing horn in case of danger or something. <laughs> yeah, quite like that. You know, I do quite like, like, like one day someone gets really drunk at a birthday party. It's like, let's blow it. Yeah, no one no one knows like what it does. Eventually, like, you know, some orcs attack the village and, you know, all, these, all these Vikings show up and they're like, well, oh, didn't know about that. Yeah. So I think that's pretty... Um... One last thing about Magic Item Shops, because we, we brought his name up earlier, Matt Mercer has run Pumat Soul's Magic Item Shop, yeah. hasn't he? I don't like the way he does Magic Item Shops, to be honest. Um, I don't think I, I, I do. don't th- And I don't think he di- likes it either. <laughs> <laughs> Just getting from, you know, without putting sort of words in his mouth, I think he made a mistake in giving the players access to magic items in a shop format that they can yeah. just buy um, yeah. and it completely I, for me at the start of that campaign when they were like level 3 or whatever it completely devalued the value of magic See, items I, because you can just purchase them yeah now that's how I feel but I feel like I, I as a as a DM had to go through running that scenario to realise that's how I felt yeah. about it because I, I think as well like kind of you know again back to Star Wars yeah you know, we think, had to do it at some point thinking about like you know like the Star Wars tabletop RPGs and stuff like that especially the ones that are set in you know sort of the dark times of the Empire and that yeah how weird would it be if people were just selling lightsabers like it doesn't make sense now maybe you can go to some shady auction and there's like a single lightsaber and it's super expensive well, and, yeah, but and that... it has this history and stuff but you shouldn't be able to just go and buy a lightsaber because it completely devalues I what a lightsaber is I think that's not a great example though because that's kind of intrinsically connected to the narrative because in the dark times of the empire but the... shouldn't all magic items be intrinsically connected to the narrative shouldn't if something is powerful enough to be yeah. considered a magic item even a mundane yeah, one right. yeah i'll sh- give you that shouldn't yeah. it have a history that is connected to the narrative in some way yeah fair enough i'll give you that that's true because no one wants a plus one um ring everyone wants you know the ring of isildur or something you know yeah. it, it it just has more impact that yeah, way. yeah right yeah okay yeah i'll give you that that's a fair argument um i think uh what was i gonna say i had a point that i wanted to go on to a little bit it's a sidetrack uh oh what was it Something about probably about magic items, I reckon. Yeah, it was probably about you, magic items. You shops. derailed me I'd with probably, Star Wars. Probably saying, yeah, uh, happens. What were we happen. talking about? Matt Mercer, Mag- magic items shops, shops, running it to know that it's not a good idea, etc., yeah. etc. Et mm, no, it's gone. It's, it's gone. gone, mate. It's gone. It's gone. Damn it! It was going to be really good. Yeah, I mean, maybe, the one. maybe I'm, I've sort of misread that situation, but I just think, for me personally, and as cool as that was, and as gr- and he kind of, you know, it wasn't bad because the NPC is so enjoyable. To, oh, I remember what it was. To inter- well, go on, go no, on. no, no, because it kind of looks in. Well, you know, as long you know, Pumat Sol was a really enjoyable NPC to to listen to and for him to play and stuff, and the players loved it. So, like, it wasn't bad by any means. But I think, oh, I think it's he's probably one of the most remember, memorable NPCs of but the campaign. I think campaign. it's telling that he uh, didn't put any other magic item shops in anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he was saying like, oh, it's because you know that it you're was not very, in the right it, place. Like, it's very yeah. specific to that city and stuff. I'm like, well, there've been some other powerful places, and there's been no magic item shops. So, yeah. so my connection onto that is. Um, and it is a bit of a sidetrack, but it kind of runs along the same thing. Not a magic item shop, but you specifically in my game 
in Waterdeep. And bear in mind, Waterdeep is a, in Faerun. Faerun is very high fantasy. Well, yeah, it's a bit of a different setting. Bit of a different setting. So it is kind of... I, I feel like in Faerun you would find magic items. Plus, Waterdeep's like the most advanced place in the world. It's like a Victorian city it's in a... Me- them, yeah. Well, it's a Victorian city in a medieval era. Yeah. Um, in... in that game you said to me uh, playing a rogue where can I go to get my knife that I've got turned into a plus one knife and I was then like ah oh, bollocks I haven't thought about this and it was one of those things where I go right I'm going to have to do something for you now because that, that's a really good question and I want to reward that but I don't want to make it too easy so I said right okay well look go off and investigate and we did some rolls and you did you rolled well you did some investigating you found out that um, there were places where the order of majors and protectors hang out uh, they're like hqs and you went and you paid for a a someone high up within the order to basically enchant your jack your dagger how did that feel as a player now i like that because one it was it was a nice juxtaposition because we'd just done um we done like the opening quest yeah we'd done the opening quest and, and obviously before that we'd done the starter set which was more out in rural areas in yeah. kind of you know nobody's town sort of thing yeah fantastic. They weren't, they down were, the road from Waterdeep they weren't exactly high level beings about the place right and there wasn't a lot of access to this sort of stuff no. so to go into Waterdeep and have the juxtaposition oh cool I've access to all this more crazy stuff now was fun there's people everywhere yeah it, it was fun and and be able, being able to go to that place and you know it basically uh, it cost him all his money it was like it was like like a grand in total because i had like the the returning quality on it as well yeah it was expensive and difficult um i had to use one of the other player characters as like sort of like a contact to get me in the door as well yes um so that because you weren't a mage that was a nice cool like sort of gate um to get through and think about um i also sort of dressed up and had to sort of deceive myself as being a bit more upper class which was fun and so there were some fun challenges to it it wasn't easy and it was different to a magic item shop because more it was more of like here's a touch a taste of the power of what these, these higher, higher beings can higher, do, can do. Yeah. here's a taste of it and that was fun and also it was meaningful because the like stiletto that he had enchanted was like had a bit of a significance to him because there'd been story. there'd been some you know MacGuffins with it getting stolen by their yeah. player characters and things like that so it had a bit of meaning so I was like okay I want I w- we've had this fun interaction with this blade this mundane dagger which I wouldn't normally use I'd normally use my bow yeah. I want to make it powerful enough to the point where I would use it over my bow because it's got more narrative impact and the actual gameplay time of that probably took half hour max yeah did that yeah. feel about right yeah you? it was just running around doing roles trying to get things sorted yeah. selling all my stuff <laughs> to afford it. trying to get some credit in yeah okay so you liked that then as a player yeah yeah and it to me it didn't feel out of place because my character is a bit of a tinkerer who like likes to play around and with i've stuff. already made up my own sort of uh, not they're not magic items because they're more mechanical in nature but they're homebrew ways of, homebrew of, of stunning things and blinding things Your and glass stuff like cannon. that i really want basically my character's come up with lots of gadgets and stuff batman style as a, yeah. as a way to use you his, need to use, use his thief item. fast hands trait which led, essentially allows you to use an object as a bonus action which is normally generally not actually that useful unless you're using it for potions Potion and drinking, things yeah so like, well, i want to use you know i want to be batman i want to use gadgets and stuff and so the DMs facilitated that um, DMs plural plural because his characters come under multiple DMs um, and so it didn't feel too out of place from that and I think in my like in my world I would have been like nah 
bro, there's no one to enchant your magic items. And if there is, they're not going to do it for you. And it's going to take like 15 weeks. Mm-hmm. So, but it's a difference. <laughs> but, but in Faerun, in Waterdeep, one's not, ne- one's not and... be- necessarily better than the other. They're just acclimatised no, to the, the different yeah, uh, themes and cultures within the world. I think the benefit so obviously the, the drawback of running many games is that we never know what bloody game we're going to play the benefit is that we um we always get to choose what kind of game we're going to play so oh, are we going to do high fantasy are we going to do off the road like yeah it's yeah i like it yeah i mean t- to be honest the way i think about it is there's no one perfect way to do it it does depend on the world you're trying to create mm-hmm. i think I don't know, I keep going back to this Matt Mercer example. I think it, it, it We're on a Matt Mercer reign today. It, 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 it illustrates the point is that in his first campaign, there were lots of magic items, there were magic item shops, you know, and the, the players were really high fantasy. But now bear in mind, they started off at level nine anyway. Yeah. So they were already in that upper echelon. They were meeting characters that had access to this powerful stuff mm-hmm. because they were powerful themselves. So it's a little bit different and not exactly 100% fair to compare it to a low level campaign. But I think it worked more because he'd already pre-established from day one with his high-level characters. There are magic items everywhere. Everyone is super powerful. There's lots of access to this crazy stuff, right? And in this second game, I think he was trying to make a point of saying, look, it's a little bit more gritty. You know, things are... I think also the themings are a little bit darker in the second campaign. Yes, Um, yes, agreed. It's a little bit more muddy and dirty. And but I think having that magic item shop with that stuff so readily accessible somewhat betrays that, um, and is not very congruent with it. Mm-hmm. But I think like what I really like the way he's doing stuff now. He's doing these like leveling up items and so things like I'm, that, and, and having each magic item be significant in a powerful way. Are which you I up really to date like. with the new, the new campaign? I'm like five episodes behind or something. Okay, I'm I'm at like. Because it's, it's on like episode 90 now, isn't it? 85 or something. I'm on like episode 52. So I'm quite far back. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm slowly getting there. Okay, so slightly... Uh, I think slightly off topic from Magic Item Shops. We're move, I'm moving on. I'm moving away from that now. But um, links into the item distribution. And I think might be a, a bit of a smaller conversation between the two of us anyway. But how do you put items in the world how do you have them found because i find that i can do the whole they're in the dragon horde or like you kill someone and they've got an item and you can take it off them and that i, I kind of feel like well, you kind of have to do that because it's part of the game that's the game play of D and tabletop rpgs you find stuff as you go but i always worry that i'm like okay so let's use the paladin example okay mr paladin you're using this sword and it's great and you find this dead guy that you, that you don't find him dead i mean you've probably killed him let's be honest and he's got a plus one sword and you want that so you're going to take it off of him we're going to do your sword you're now carrying two swords like uh get, let's get let's get a bit granular about it so the way the way i do it um... also side note if you just kill a boss, yeah. a big evil, not not a dragon, because dragon hordes are kind of easier to it to reason with why they'd be there. But like, say you kill a, a Goliath, something I don't know, a big old bear, right? Why is there a magic sword in the bear's cave? <laughs> like that that stuff. How do you how do we get over that stuff? So I, okay, so to answer that one, I like doing stuff like that, but I I like to 
think about the reason behind it you yeah. know so okay this, this bear cave was not originally a bear cave originally it was inhabited by goblins and the goblins dug up this sword um, from this old elven ruin up the road etc and, and maybe there's a trail you can find out all this stuff Yeah, I like doing stuff like that because it sort of subver- subverts expectations a bit you're like okay I'll just pop into this bear cave whoa <laughs> plus three sword yeah <laughs> you know how did that get here I'm just going to pop into this cave oh there's a city underground <laughs> I mean and, and it is kind of a bit Tolkien-esque like you know going into the old uh Troll cave and uh, oh, there's a bunch of ancient elven artifacts in here. How odd! (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo! And so, yeah, that's one way of doing it. For me, I think you've got you've got to think about it because um, when you put NPCs in the world with magic items, okay, you've got to allow for the fact that the players may kill them and steal them. Yes. Uh, it happens. I have a NPC that's been with the group a long time, old Sigrid, and he's got some uh, some pretty neat magic items on him. You know? And we nearly killed him. And you nearly killed him. And he... I, but I knew from day one, I was like, okay, he's got a really nice, like, plus two sun sword, okay? It's pretty good. And pr- pretty much any of the characters could use it. I'm like, I had to accept the fact that you may steal or kill him for it instantly. Yeah. I just had to accept the... And then you may have access to that sword. Mm-hmm. Um, I often find people... One, the one I was really worried about, um, and it was game breaking, yeah. was um, it was the almost like Mimi character of the Highwayman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was his name? Oh. Do you remember? I've forgotten. I've got it written. Down I think we we've, we've spoken about him before. Yeah. Anyway, he had. I had these homebrew items, and it was <laughs> mega powerful. It like triples your speed. It triples your speed. Why? What were you thinking when you made that? You can like dash as a bonus action. They're like super. Why? Powerful. I made it because I needed to allow him to escape because he was supposed to be underpowered he's like a joke character that you fight and instantly defeat and he runs away and he's like this reoccurring like I can chuck him in every now and again and he actually has a very complex backstory that I end up developing um, and I was kind of lucky because eventually when someone did steal his boots it was on in like a one shot campaign and was not going to be as consequential he's definitely dead now because I mean we like you, you lopped off his arms and let him bleed out in the forest so I mean someone could have helped him Sure. There were there were there were orc parties raiding through that forest. Uh, a nymph or druid or something, maybe. Who knows? I mean, I do know what happened to him. Oh, but... I hope one day he comes back. And th- because when he comes back, the party's going to be like, "Who is this?" And he's going to be like, "You, you. It's all your fault. Look at these stumps." <laughs> and we're going to be like, "Who are you?" Yeah. Oh, it'd be amazing. I actually have. I was going to do it at the end of the one shot campaign. Um. Like that, that, that one shot where he had yeah. his arms lopped off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But we we never got to the end of it because um, we had a, a mega long <laughs> combat with some kobolds. Always happens. It was like a battle of. We wheels. tried to play a one shot the other day, and it was the one shot that's no longer a one shot. We spent two a, hours in one room. It we was... literally spent two hours in one. And I spoke to James afterwards, and he was like, "For God's sake, all you had to do was take the staff and put it in the hole in the floor. That's yeah. all you had there to was do." Was like a dragon with like five hundred HP. There was there, also a dragon that could. Kill but us, I was gonna yeah. do a vignette in there but I never got to do it and it was going to tie into that encounter Um, I almost want to tell you about it now because it's so in fact Ben I am going to tell you about it now oh it's Christmas so you bring yourself back okay to that moment now to give the the, the other guys backstory the highwayman came up he came up against this really sort of hardline um, war cleric who for the the crime of stealing lopped off his arms stole his boots or or, uh, acquired his boots shall we say and let him walk off into the forest bleeding out in terrible shock yeah okay justice yeah 
And um, <laughs> <laughs> don't we tie him up on a tree or something? Sure. Okay. So yeah, let, let's say we did that. No, you didn't do that. He he literally just walked off, off off the road into the bleeding out into the forest in in crying. horrendous shock. Yeah, he wasn't even crying. He was just like. Anyway, so I think we would cut back. Um, we sort of pan down, if you imagine, from the perspective of the camera in this scene. Yep. We pan down through the forest. It's a moonlit, full moonlit sky. Mm. So while it is dark, the um, the canopy is illuminated by this sort of silvery glow, if you will, with this um, sort of golden pearl in the sky, the moon. Yep. And as you pan down through the canopy in the trees... We hear sort of like a rustling, like a almost kind of like a snarling and a crunching and a, oh, no. a sort of almost like squirting of, of, oh. of liquid and and ash. And as we pant down along the ground through the grass, um, we can see sort of small creatures scurrying about. Um, you know, sort of squirrels and rabbits and things like that. You see a wolf whip by the camera. We get a little bit of shake, and we see two or three more wolves, small ones. And then as we go back, we see. We pan across, and first of all, we see some bare feet, <laughs> bloodied, <laughs> dirty, broken toenails. And we go up, we see these the leather kind of um, trousers and pants, this tunic, and we turn. And as we pull back, we see just the silhouette of what seems to be some humanoid on the ground and this large, hulking, furred creature oh. gnawing and, and, and biting on his neck. Oh. And we see the scrunching and the the sort of wreathing of, of, of sort of flesh and then we hear this piercing howl and the creature sort of sharks and looks up we pan back now we can see the creature's eight nine feet tall half kind of uh, bipedal half sort of um, quadrupedal and it looks up looks up at the moon howls this sort of biting screeching howl mm-hmm. and runs off to the east and we are left with this bloodied mouthed corpse and just as we go to fade to black, we see it writhe. Oh no! And we cut to black. <laughs> oh no! Oh, oh shit! <laughs> there are werewolves in that forest, man. <laughs> there are wolves in that forest. Don't go into the forest alone at night, little Red Riding Hood. So that's uh, that's oh, what God. happened to the highwayman. <laughs> He's a uh, Fantastic. And there's more to come from him, I'm sure. Um, I think we've gone sufficiently off track now. Yeah, I know. I just, I've just been waiting to get that vignette out for a while. I love it. And I love I'm, it. I'm glad if, we did oh, that. I need to. If only we were playing this weekend. I feel like I've got the urge to play now. Um, okay. Well, look, I, I think we've we've hit a lot of topics there, uh, all along magic items, and I think that's helpful to me at least because it's made me know that some of the stuff I'm doing is right and some of the stuff I'm doing is wrong but it's just so many different ways you can go about it um, yeah I didn't think that's the issue that, 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 well that is the problem with D&D there's a lot of ways to go about so it so just anyone can do it any way they like yeah and I just think as long as it's congruent with the the feeling you're trying to evoke in your world yeah. I think that's fine but I just think it takes a little bit of thought um, to not have these plot holes of how these magic items come to be I agree and in terms of balance I don't think balance is too much of an issue because ultimately if you give your players lots and lots of really powerful magic items like in Critical World Campaign 1 they had loads of like absolutely godly magic items mm-hmm. they were so powerful but Matt just upped the difficulty of the NPCs have you ever and, and made it made the, the challenges more challenging out of interest um have you ever gone on that topic have you ever gone and looked at spoiler for end of campaign one the stat block of Vecna that um, Matt wrote I know it's like 1500 HP incredibly incredibly thought through Uh, 
It's really well balanced. It's really well balanced. It's a great encounter. Yeah, if you are... Um, it, actually, that's a good point. If you are thinking about how do I balance, I've given these magic items out, how do I balance, go and look at the way... Just do some... I think on there's a critical role wiki you can look through. Look at the way Matt handled the magic items in that those last final episodes and the stat blocks for Vecna and, and the minions they came up against because that shows you how to balance pretty well there. You can sort of just, like, digest it and cut it up and decon... De- de- what's the word? Deconstruct. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, I want to just finish topic there and go on to do a little shout-out um, that we we got a tweet back on the 10th. So what's that, like four days ago? Yeah. No, four. it's Boxing Day, but I remember. Sorry. Sorry. What, like two weeks ago? <laughs> yeah. Um, from a guy on Twitter called Chaotic Nerdful, which is a wonderful name. Um, he sent us a tweet saying, I built this mechanic based on uh, a We Speak Common... I love this. I absolutely it's great, love isn't this. It? We Speak Common, episode three, prep, 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 I believe. First of all, someone's going back and listening to the what first a, episode. What a oh throwback. My God, wow. Um, and I think it is from that one. Uh, it should be fun if my players choose to use it. So we talked about how character death can be... Uh, a bit boring. And we want to add this mechanic where you have this very impactful moment, like just as you die. Yeah, this like this like final hurrah. Like your, your, death. your character's done. They're yeah. not coming back, but let's give them a big power boost for this last moment. It's Lord of the Rings themed. The uh, the rule is called Bormir's Cry. After a character's third failed death save, they can invoke Bormir's Cry and revi- uh, Boromir. receive Boromir. Sorry, it's it's uh, been uh, a while. Ben, it's, it's Boromir. Okay, so if you could just what did I correct say? yourself. You said Bormir, Ben. Bormir. Okay, so Boromir. you can just correct yourself. Bormir, all right, Boromir. Ben. We're supposed to be professional nerds here, all right? Okay, um, and you're sorry. really exposing us for I'm what we sorry. are right now. I don't, I don't do my research into the law, Joe. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I will leave that one there. Boromir's cry. Yeah? Okay. That's not Just carry on. Just leave me alone. Just carry on. Um, they receive one final action. This can be either a critical attack with the weapon the character was holding when they went down or a spell cast at their highest spell casting level, regardless of available spell slots. Once this action is taken, the character perishes and fades into the void, never to return. The char- character cannot be revived by any means. I like this a lot. And... My own, my only thought is to make it more powerful. So I, I, ret- I quote retweeted this because I was like, I've got to share this. The actual tweet itself from them has been shared like five times. So you can find this if you go onto our Twitter and scroll back through. You can find it. And I, um, I think it's, I think it's a great idea. I think it's wonderful. It just spices up death in general. But someone uh, got onto us, Mister. I don't know how to say his name. It's P U W U D D I N S. Pud- Pud- Pudwins? Mr. Mr. Pudwins, I'm going to call him. He put, I do something akin to this, but it's literally anything that affects the narrative. So the words, I kill the big bad, is applicable, which is a bit like, oh, shit, okay. I said uh, I said it could be a lot of fun. He said, exactly. I feel like it's a fair trade-off. I, the GM, am ending your character's story so you can end mine, is the way I think of it. And it helps supply the most agency for a player in a moment when they may feel like they've lost all agency. I suppose. It sounds a bit adversarial to me. It does. But... Um, I like, I like having it be a, a mechanical benefit, um, but my instinct is to make it more powerful. So, for instance, I would, um, if it's a melee character or was doing an attack, right? So I'd have them doing the attack. The attack auto hits and it crits. Yeah. But I'd get them to do all their attacks. So if they have multi attack, yeah. So you, yeah. So it's not just one. It's, yeah. it's an attack action. If it's not a an thie- if it's a thief, they sneak attack. Yeah. You know, if it's a paladin, because they, because they don't expect yeah. you to attack it, when you're dying. If it's a paladin, it's their highest level smite. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know, um, 
if it's a druid, I don't know. So I, as a DM, like, and bear in mind that I, I consider myself a storyteller. I love this as a, as a way to give a character a final hurrah and a send-off that they deserve. Mm. But something that I will do if death becomes a permanent thing in my game, because at the moment it's not. Everyone gets one free death. That's how I see it. Um, to With a chance to be brought back after that, you're gone. Um, if you... That's in the homebrew one. That's not my rule for every game. Don't worry. Um, if you are going to die, and you're in, if there's a combat and there's a third failed character death save and everyone's like oh no ah and they're all reacting then and there i'll say right kill the boss we'll do this they kill the the boss or the minion or whatever and then i will give that character the chance to be alive for the goodbye if that's how they're going to go like i'd like to have that that look after my wife you know that kind of narrative (laughs) moment and if it's a death where it's like oh we're running out of the cave and i'm going to sacrifice myself to stop this brick from falling so that someone else can get out and they get crushed that already has achieved that Mm -hmm. yeah it all depends on the moment like i say and i think the the really interesting one here is this you know saying about casting a spell at your highest level well what about concentration spells so I would just have it that the spell doesn't require concentration it just lasts for its full duration Uh, yeah it's like I feel like it's got to be regardless of whether it's spell or melee it's like you're putting you're you're literally putting your last breath into it my favourite one by far would be um, time stop well, <laughs> everyone's just frozen for 10 minutes <laughs> <laughs> that or but I like the idea if it's like the character's slightly lower level or whatever that you um, you're fighting the big bad okay so you go down first you're gonna die yeah but it's looking like it's gonna be a TPK anyway yeah. so I love the idea that you throw up like a wall of force between the, the party and the, the so they can the get character. away so they can get away yeah. or something like that that's pretty fun I read a story once on Reddit about uh, a wizard who was looking after they were like they were the protectors of the party and there was a guy who um, one of the players they weren't into the party and they they like they weren't they were a character that didn't get on with everybody and over time they grew and they loved and they were falling um, hundreds of feet through the air and he had uh, he had something that he could do but he could only get one of them like he could only stop one of them from from dying mm-hmm. so the wizard sacrificed himself and the the last moments were like when he as as he as fate is sealed mm. and the other character survives and like teleports out or whatever the DM lets the wizard cast message yeah, as like he that. dies so they don't see him die they just get a message that says yeah, look after so and so and that's the end like that kind of thematic like big okay I'm gone I like that one I, I like. That. I really love the idea of casting teleport as a last moment to teleport your party away from danger mm-hmm. um, so you just get the whole like you don't teleport you're dead you're there but the whole party gets to yeah. blink out of existence well, like, yeah like um, feather fall like you're all gonna fall yeah. but there's 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 six of you not five of you If that, I can't remember the, how many you can get and I would let so them, like, I I would let them modify and stuff like that like gaseous form the whole party or something in a falling scenario or yeah. like if, if I know that no matter what's going to happen your character is going to die if you say to me I'm going to die like I'm going to do it I'm going to sacrifice myself I don't have tele- I don't have um, teleportation on my list can I do it anyway I'll be like bruh yeah yes absolutely <laughs> same with like a, I, I love your, the, your character's about to end yeah. yes you can do it I love the idea of like the paladin one is uh, an instant crit plus the highest level of smite yeah so it'd be a bucket load of damage um, and you know I'd, I'd even if they were like, oh, I can't reach it. The character's flying. I was like, bruh, you're an angel now. You got wings. 
Just go. <laughs> <laughs> you jump. Yeah, exactly. You can jump 60 feet, mate. It's fine. Exactly, yeah. Like, I just, I love the idea of these death throws because it's really fun, you know. And uh, I, I hate TPKs. I hate it when the pirate TPKs. It's no yeah. fun for me. No. Um, for me, it's like I failed to balance this encounter correctly. <laughs> you know, which is not, obviously, not, well, it most, depends. most it depends of the time it's not the case. Obviously, oftentimes, it's just bad luck on the player's part. Yeah, bad dice know? rolls. Or, or they just do some tactically horrendous decisions. Um, but, you know, for me, TPK is no fun. So I, I like to give the the players this this awesome narrative opportunity to save themselves, um, with you know some cost as well at the end of the day, which I think is pretty fun. I was yeah. just thinking about what um, cool stuff you could be like, regardless of what monk you are. Like, if you were to want to do Saint Cool as a monk, I would let you do like the. Um, like quivering palm technique yeah, you know where you yeah. do like that immense amount of damage it's like you, you're sitting there at the table as a player and you're like I know I'm go- I know that my, my next death save my next time might be my last I'm going to start flicking through the player's handbook and see what I, I love. Do. I love the idea that like the monk is just like on the ground she's been stabbed to death by this this enemy above them and it's their last and she's like, she's the, like, the last throw they just like reaches like, up like just like tap them on the chest <laughs> yeah. and then they like just keel Explode. over and die yeah. <laughs> I love it. it's like if I'm going you're going with me <laughs> yeah, yeah I, that's fun that's fun I love it cool it's a cool mechanic um, well Joe I think that's it for this week and do you know what that is actually I've just looked at my calendar that is it for this year my goodness the next time we talk we will be in a brand new decade whoa I know 2020 so um, yeah have a absolutely fantastic rest of your Christmas break if you don't have to work um, if like me you do have to work I hope it's fun anyway Um you know enjoy the rest of your boxing day if you're listening on boxing day have a great new year uh, get absolutely hammered on new year's eve um we will be back thursday the 2nd of january cool merry christmas joe merry christmas it's too late it's boxing day it's already hammered oh, happy new year joe yay all right see you later bye, bye. thanks for listening today if you like the podcast do us a favor Leave us a like or review on your platform of choice and share us with your friends. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at WeSpeakCommon or through the email WeSpeakCommon at Hotmail.com. The music in the podcast is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is licensed under an attribution license CC by NC. You can find it on the Free Music Archive. Free Music Archive.